and good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast for the week of October 22nd, 2018. I'm your host, Chief Mobile Opinionist, Matteo, and I'm joined again by my co-host, our Chief Aperture Officer, Lukash. Hey, Lukash, how are you? Hey, Matteo, I'm great. How are you today? Good, good, thanks. I've had a relaxing day of working from home like a madman and creating lots of wonderful documentation. So, time to have some chat. <laughs> Not that we haven't been on video calls for work uh, most of today anyway. So, let's move on and introduce our guest for this week. Our guest is known as a pillar of the mobile enthusiast community in the UK. Someone who really knows not only his devices, but a lot of the ins and outs of the mobile industry, and also what that's, how that affects travelers, uh, both people going from the UK to abroad and people visiting the UK. So it's our pleasure to welcome Brendan Arndt. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Nice to join you guys. Thanks for joining us. So um, we invited you on the, on the podcast to speak to you. And tell us about yourself. Who is Brendan Arndt? Where are you from? Tell us about yourself. Uh, that's probably a very, very long story. <laughs> um, that's but great. I, <laughs> but I guess uh, best place to start would be, um, you know, you, you kind of introduce me as uh, somebody in the community who quite likes tech and knows a lot about the mobile industry. Um, so I've been working in the mobile industry uh, non-stop since I was 18, 17, 18, um, and actually all for the same uh, company, uh, Hutchison Wham Power or CK Hutchison. Um, and you guys would know them as uh, three in the UK, and they obviously own three and quite a lot of other networks uh, around the world. So I've worked for them for a very long time. Um, I've worked for them for 11 years in the UK, and before that I was in Australia, um, and I even worked for their company uh, called Orange, which was in Australia, and that was CDMA at the time. So long history in mobile. Wow, CDMA Networks, branded as Orange, which if I'm not mistaken is a, a French-owned brand, but for some reason owned by Hutchison Wampua in Australia. Yeah, and I do believe, I think there was Orange here as well, um, at one stage as well. There, were, there was. In the UK, we had Orange, which was owned by the, the, the French telecoms giant, and that then merged with T-Mobile UK to form E, sorry, EE. <laughs> of course. Um... Which is now part of BTEE, which is <laughs> Lots of movement and consolidation. Yes, it's it's a it's a wonderful world that the mobile industry, and you obviously know the ins and outs very very well, being part of it, a very active part of it. So yes, this is this is interesting. So you're from Australia, and you moved to the UK, and you came here and were carried on working for Hutchison uh, under the three brand here. So what, what made you move? Was it just the opportunity and the adventure, or was there, there an ulterior motive? Uh, uh, actually, it's a good question. Lots of people always ask me that. And, and another question I always get is, how did you 
how did you get to where you were and uh, how do I get to do that? Um, I get that question a lot. So um, actually it was, uh, if I remember back to when it happened, I probably at the time I thought I would never ever move to the UK or to another country. Actually, I probably thought I'd never uh, travel anywhere other than Asia uh, from Australia. And um, little did I know my uh, boss at the time, she had an ulterior motive. So she said, we're going on a trip to London and uh, we're going to introduce you to um, the three global teams. So we have a global team like other networks do. Um, and we had lots of meetings here and then we flew back. And um, about a week later, she said to me, there's this job going in in London with the global team that I introduced you to. Um, are you interested? And at that point in time, I really had nothing keeping me in Sydney. Um, so I kind of just jumped at the opportunity, but it was very, very tough to move to um, a completely new country, not knowing anybody at all, um, and then picking up this pretty crazy job uh, here. So yes, uh to give our, our listeners a bit of context, if you didn't know this, uh, Sydney is on the east coast of Australia and pretty much at the other side of the planet. So it's a long, long journey in of itself. Uh, then being living away from family and friends, making the big move is, is quite a brave move. So well done, uh, Brendan. Uh, I think we're all, all the better of it. So tell us, what, what did the new role involve? What, what is it you started doing at three in the global team and then in the UK? Well, this is a crazy thing. So um, I actually started in a call center um, contracting before I moved to the UK. And then I kind of just took every opportunity that came up at the company. You know, a permanent position came up to be in the complaints team. So I took that. Um, that was in Brisbane at the time. And then a position came up in Sydney, uh, which was user acceptance testing when 3G was first launched, which was pretty crazy and exciting and very stressful. And then um, eventually, while in Australia, I moved into device uh, customization. So put, making sure all the settings were correct, making sure they work for our customers, um, you know, things like wallpapers, putting on games and apps and things like that. So that was my job to make sure those things were perfect and correct. And that's what actually led me to the role here because globally they wanted somebody with my expertise to manage all of the other three countries' customization and make sure that it was right the first time. Um, a small little fact about that. So this was the days of customizing Nokia's, Nokia N series, um, series 60, all of the devices. And actually you have no idea how difficult it was. We, I had to fly to Finland while I was here um, in the UK, probably about six to eight times a year. And it was called a variant camp. And that's just a fancy word for, uh, I would sit with Nokia, I would input all of the three countries, uh, different customization requirements for their phones, and then they would spit them out on a live device there and then. But it took you around oh, 10 to 20 tries to make sure it was absolutely perfect before it gets to the customer. 
Wow. Yes, th- those were the good old days, the early 2000s to mid-2000s, when mobile and mobile technology was just about to boom, and we hadn't settled on operating systems and platforms, and the idea of a smart device was in its infancy. So everything was custom. For example, your basic email app, there would be lots of different standards. IMAP wasn't the most used type of email. POP3 still was. It was a, it was the, the beginning of something great. And as an enthusiast, I was on the sidelines consuming that content and those, those exciting times. It, it was good. So thank you for, for making that happen. Are things easier now? Um, yeah, I would say if you take... Um, things have moved on dramatically. You know, we still do customize phones, but it's in a very different way. So give you a really great example because um, of a new phone that's launching tomorrow. So the Huawei Mate 20 Pro um, and the Huawei series. What Huawei has done, which is really, really great, and and this is actually listening to us and to their customers from the previous generation, the P P20 series, is They've now made the software, um, the baseline software, so any phone that you buy in Europe, even if you import one, um, it's basically the exact same software and hardware now. It's only when you put a SIM in, you'll get a little update at the top and it will say, hey, um, you're now a three customer. We would like to make sure that you get uh, Volti or 4G Super Voice and Voice over Wi-Fi. And it's all done over the air now. Um, and the great thing is that gives you choice. So even if you decide that you stop using your three SIM, you can now reset it straight back to the stock software and put in EE SIM, and it will do the same thing. So much, much better. Yes, um, I noticed that earlier this year with the Huawei P20 Pro. Uh, so I, I purchased my Huawei P20 Pro and put three SIM cards into it, and the three settings, the three splash screen as you turn the device on, came on during our unboxing. Uh, you can see that in the Tech Travel Geeks unboxing of the P20 Pro. So it's that's a very interesting and much easier experience, not only for the network operators, but for the end users as well. Just to clarify, if I were to go to China with one of these new Huawei devices and uh, put a Chinese SIM card in it and reset the phone, would that then change everything to Chinese? Um. I don't think so. So from my knowledge, obviously, there's different hardware variants uh, around the world. So um, in general now, certainly the UK one, um, the European one, and maybe even some of the, maybe not in the EU, but obviously they take a EU uh, type of hardware, they would all work the same. But obviously, there is some very different hardware when you get to China, because some of those don't include Google services. That's very true. And you you mentioned the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. We were both at the launch event in London last week. Great event. Uh, Very mature uh, presentation from Huawei, which is uh, a notable improvement from previous years. What did you think of the event, Brendan? Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. It's the first time uh, that you can see, uh, if if I can say it this way, uh, Huawei has really grown up um, as a company. And 
we I'm certainly seeing that through even through working internally you know now I have people asking me oh that new Huawei phone tell me about it tell me about it so they've certainly stepped up their game what do you guys think well um we have an interesting anecdote on that so last week I got back from London on uh Wednesday evening on Thursday I was in the office I showed Lukesh the shiny twilight huawei mate 20 pro and i think it caught his eye we discussed this in last week's episode of the of the tech travel geeks podcast we had chris here on and uh he quite bluntly told lukash to just go and buy one and then carried on badgering him on twitter so lukash tell us what happened from there on you will not be surprised that i surrendered to my um desire to get the twilight shininess of the Huawei uh, Mate 20 Pro and I caved and um, tomorrow I'm picking one up Um, so I'm so excited Um, and uh, yeah Chris uh, who is actually on the chat just now he's listening uh, to us live Uh, yeah thanks for that Uh, good advice, Chris. I fully endorse it. So, uh, tech travel geeks are now mostly Huawei Mate 20 Pro users, and I'm yeah. blown blown away not only by the device itself, the camera is really good, and uh, it's good to hear from Brendan a bit of how the sausage is made, uh, yeah. that Huawei are, are actually making it easy for this whole rollout. And. On this subject, uh, I just had a question. We just had a question from uh, Gavin's gadgets on on the live chat. He was, was that, asking that yeah. Gavin Fabiani Lemons. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, so he's asking what are our main um, devices right now. So um, I think we could start with a guest, Brendan. What's your main device, or do we need to to wait till that's announced? it's it's been a very very busy month that's for sure um actually don't kill me but um you know as part of my job i always try and um i want to be balanced and i i actually use every single phone that we sell at three because i want to be 100 percent sure that we're doing the right thing by the customer everything works correctly and then I become the expert internally. So if someone asks me something, then I know about it. So don't kill me. Uh, long story short, I've actually been using the iPhone um, XS Max for since it's launched. Um, and I haven't actually switched my primary SIM off of that phone yet. Um, and I, I'm not sure uh, why, actually. Well, well, the only reason I could say is because... I'm just finding it really easy to use, takes great pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, Apple have nailed the battery life on this one. So that's my primary device. And then obviously Mate 20 Pro is my secondary one. And then lots of secret ones I can't tell you about. <laughs> that is quite the tease, Brendan. Lukash, how about you? Until tomorrow. Yes, so until tomorrow, I'm, I'm using the S9 Plus, um, Samsung S9 Plus. Uh, which has been a great device, but as you uh, would have heard uh, during the last podcast, the battery life is um, disappointing for me. And um, 
I just need either two devices or one which has a really good good battery life. So I hope the Mate 20 Pro will uh, help with that. What about you? What's your main device? Well, um, obviously, I have a, a stable of active SIM cards. Uh, I'd say the main device, the one I have all the multi-factor authentication uh, services on, is still the Google Pixel 2 XL, um, which today I renovated and put a very tasteful plood skin on from Extreme Skins UK. So I quite like plood. What do you think, Brendan, as a fashionable gentleman? Yeah, I really like it. And actually, I love the guys at Extreme Skins as well. I think they're a really good choice for us locally. Um, I also love their camo skin. Have you seen that? Yes, both the black camo and their new green camo looks pretty cool. So yeah, uh, Extreme Skin's great one. So that's my primary device. Uh, I would say the secondary device, the one has, that's just jumped up the food chain, is now the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. That re replaces my Huawei P20 Pro. And my tertiary device is the Xiaomi Redmi Note 5 Pro. That's the 6 gigabytes uh, of RAM version. Uh, but that's all about to change because I have today pre-ordered the Sh Xiaomi Pocophone, which went on on sale on Amazon. That should arrive on Saturday. And next week I have a Google Pixel 3 XL arriving, uh, which I've purchased from a network operator Brendan may have heard of called 3. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm just about to change things around. I'm not sure where the main SIM cards with the multi-factor authentication will go, uh, whether it's in the Pixel 3 XL, the Huawei uh, Mate 20 Pro, or the Pocophone, but we'll, we'll see. Um, in the meantime, uh, we're just wrapping up our review of the Honor 8X, which is a great value device. If I had to go out and buy a smartphone today, I would struggle to find reasons not to get the Honor 8X because it's such good value for money and the screen is gorgeous. Brendan, what do you think of the Honor 8X? Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's um, uh, There's something about it, isn't there, for the price? And, and I keep saying this, to, <laughs> and there it is. Yeah. Um, every time I show it off uh, internally uh, where, where we work, um, lots of people, they think it's an iPhone XS Max when they see it from the front. And then when I tell them the price, they're completely convinced and they're trying to sell it to their friends and family. So I think that's going to be a, a real nice, quiet hit for Honor in the UK market. Especially in this Christmas season, I think it's going to be a big success. Uh, for around about a fifth of the price of the iPhone XS Max, you're getting a lot of value, micro SD expandability, as well as a tray that takes two SIM cards and micro SD. It's not a hybrid SIM tray, so even more useful. Um, I'd say the only downside that we've found whilst reviewing the Honor 8X is the camera's not very well tuned. This is a pre-production device with non-final software. I'm hoping that the software optimizations of the final release will be good. Uh, but We'll just have to wait and see. As things stand, uh, Honor have only given me the review device for two weeks, which means I need to send it back at the beginning of next week. And uh, 
we have to say it in this review, this pre-production device has some camera tuning issues. But apart from that, it's a very good smartphone overall, offering great value for money. And it also happens to have a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. And great battery life, right? Yes. The, the battery life is impressive. That uh, Kirin 710 chipset is really delivering. Um, what are your thoughts on 35 millimeter audio jacks, Brendan? <laughs> are you just asking me that because of my uh, Twitter debates? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm genuinely interested to hear this. Um, at this point in time, you don't have anyone to argue with you. We're not really of strong opinions uh, regarding that. Talk to us about Plood or Mockadile. We may have an argument. <laughs> but 3.5 millimeter audio jacks? Go ahead. Tell us more. Um, oh, God. Do I have an opinion on it? I guess I do have an opinion on it. So, look, I haven't used uh, 3.5 um, headphone jack in in uh, a lot in years because as soon as I could get Bluetooth headphones that were small enough for uh, commuting and exercise, I have used nothing but Bluetooth headphones for probably the last three years. Um, and I just can't go back to having wires. I just can't have that tangling me up, uh, ripping the phone off the table, uh, getting all sweaty at the gym. I just can't do that anymore. So I say uh, goodbye, headphone jack, and uh, hello, high-res audio on Bluetooth uh, for me. Very good. And um, just to go into a bit more depth than that, uh, so you, you're a proponent of Bluetooth. Do you think Bluetooth is the future of audio in that case? It depends. I think there's other technologies that could um, replace it, but I think we're so far down a path as users and, and consumers that Bluetooth does have a shelf life and you know, the next versions of Bluetooth will help adoption. And as things become uh, more affordable for people, that will also help adoption. I think now it's about uh, tuning the sound quality, distance, battery life from the phone of the headsets itself. Okay, great. So you think Bluetooth 5, the new standard that is coming out on new devices, makes a difference? Yeah, I do. And I think without giving too much away, I know there is uh, some some headphones incoming, completely wireless headphones that will support the kind of sound quality that others are looking for. Yes. Um, speaking of that, today uh, Tech Travel Geeks unboxed this uh, pair of Let's Com Bluetooth 5 uh, audio buds. Um, we're still going to go through testing them and reviewing them. But I was quite impressed what £30 gets you in terms of uh, of Bluetooth 5 audio buds on Amazon. So looks it looks good. It looks a promising future. And for those of you who heard the crash there, thank goodness for IP rating of high-end Huawei devices because I just spilt my beer. Anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> Brendan, you said, uh, obviously, you traveled from Australia to the UK. Uh, how many trips did you do before you actually settled down here? Or was it just a one business trip and then decide to move permanently? 
Yeah, just one business trip. There was no opportunity to, uh, it was relocate and um, get on with it. Uh, and I think, you know, you guys have probably experienced as well when you've been away from home a long time, you do get very, very homesick and that takes quite a long time to get over. But this this is my home now, so uh, I'm here to stay and I'm uh, probably traveling more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you do. Um, so obviously, Lukash and I have a much easier time. Our families are just a few hours away uh, on on a low cost carrier, so for us it's relatively easy. Where where your your family and friends are literally the other side of the world, uh, that becomes a bit more challenging and it brings a different uh, different approach to things. So. Speaking of technology and travel, do you think uh, the latest technologies in terms of video calling, telephony, uh, instant messaging, chat, does that make that distance easier to, to bridge? Mm, good question. Um, I would say, well, you, <laughs> I'd say a couple of things. So, um, you know, they say Facebook's now for the old people. Well, my mum's uh, pretty fluent in Facebook now, so um, she's always commenting. I know as soon as she wakes up, there's about 20 likes on my Facebook page. Um, she's posting pictures and uh, things like that. We do use Skype uh, quite a lot as well, but I don't think there's anything that can really replace you going home and actually seeing your family and friends. Um, you know, I don't think video fixes that. Okay, that, that's a very, very good point. Um, so you you said you travel here, uh, from here in the UK. Is it mostly business or business and pleasure in equal quantity or more for pleasure? What, what sort of travel do you do nowadays? Yeah, I would say it's a bit of both. Um, you know, I subscribe to, uh, also subscribe to lots of different flight services. So, you know, seeing um, weekends away that I can book pretty quickly at, at a great price. Um, but it's a, it's an equal share. Yeah, for sure. Very good. So you, you obviously live in the greater London area, which means you have easy access to quite a number of airports, therefore many more options than we do in Edinburgh. But still, very, very good for travel, both for business and pleasure. So lucky you. And when you say you subscribe to services, is that services like Jack's Flight Club? Yeah, and Scott's Flights as well. So all of those. <laughs> and, and I've got a uh, large distribution list set up at work. I know that's probably a bit naughty, but everybody's like, how do you find these flights? So now I've got like everybody, there's an auto forward on for every flight that comes into my inbox. <laughs> that's very good um for those of you who don't know jack's flights and scott's flights and those similar services are people who do some curation of flights deals that they, they find whether it's a low-cost carrier sale or it's a major airline sale or deal that uh, they they spot they curate what's on the internet with human beings and present that in a newsletter to their subscribers. You either have the option to be a free subscriber and have a limited one email a month, or you can have uh, the paid subscription, which gives you the full curated list on a, is it weekly or bi-weekly basis, uh, Brendan? 
Um, kind of depends which one you want to go for, but um, uh, Scott's flights, for instance, it's as it happens. So if there's a mistake there or, you know, like yesterday, I think I got nine emails in a row from them um, because there was tons of different sales and flights available, but it, it depends. Depends on the service you subscribe to. Yeah, that's that's great. So top tip, everyone, if you want to to travel on a budget and get great deals and you're you're relatively flexible in your dates and commitments, it's a great way to travel on a budget and see lots of wonderful places you might not have seen. In a way, it becomes a, a forced uh, a forced ex exploring engine, which is good fun. Right. Uh, so you mentioned that's the sort of travel you do. Brendan, what gadgets and tech do you take with you when you're traveling? Wow, tons. <laughs> um, everybody I travel with always thinks it's overkill, but then they love me when I have something that they need on the other end. Um, but in general, I always make sure I have a couple um, of essentials for me. So um, I'm not sure you would call melatonin a gadget, but it's certainly something that helps with jet lag. Um, but from a gadget perspective, I always have a massive battery. So I've got a 26,800 um, milliamp hour battery that has um, supports PD, so power delivery. So I can charge not only my laptops, uh, but my headphones and everything else and any gaming machines that I might take with me. Um, I always have a great pair of in-ear um, Bluetooth headphones and also an over-ear Bluetooth headphones for blocking noise on the plane. Um, and then I always have entertainment. I always have a tablet or even my Surface Go with a really big 256 gigabyte card in there to take lots of media, uh, videos, movies, download Netflix, you name it, because I do not want to be bored on a 26-hour flight to Sydney. <laughs> Sorry, what do you mean by card? Do you, do you literally have as, uh, do you use SD cards or something else for that? Yeah, an SD card because obviously mm. Surface Surface Go's got 128 gigs, so I'm gonna right. gonna fill that up pretty quickly. Funnily enough, uh, Brendan and I have pretty much the same Microsoft Surface Go setup. Um, I have mine here. I love it. I've been using it for over a month now, and done some some 4K video editing on it, and had no real issues. So, Surface Go is a great travel device, both for productivity and entertainment. I was surprised how good the battery life on it is with uh, that Intel chipset. I was expecting it to not be as good. No, I agree. Um, battery life's really good. And top tip, top tip. Um, and now you would, you guys would know this traveling. So one, one more amazing thing about the kickstand on the Surface devices is on most planes, most planes either have a little magazine pocket or a gap where you can wedge the surface so that it becomes an extra display, even in front of the display built into the plane seat. It's so amazing. And everybody's kind of looking at me going, well, how has he done that? That's thanks to the Surface kickstand. Yep. Um, that's something that I've been doing since the days of the Tesco Huddle 2. It fit perfectly in Lufthansa's economy class magazine uh, pouch in the Air both the Airbus and the Boeing solutions. Lufthansa's seats were designed so that that could fit in perfectly. 
and uh, I had a lot of questions about my Tesco Huddle 2 in those situations. It's it, And I, I can confirm this does also work uh, on KLM economy in Europe with uh, the Surface Go, which is perfect. In-flight entertainment where you wouldn't expect it. I'm wondering if my Surface Book 2 will work. So what I could do is turn the screen around and reattach it to the keyboard. Uh, but use the keyboard as the as something that will hold it that, that I, I would put <laughs> into the into the pocket. The only problem is it's thirteen point three inches, so it might be uh, too wide for most of the pockets. But I'll have to test this for the next flight. Very good. <laughs> so we we look forward to hearing about that, Lukash. Yeah. Uh, just in case you're wondering, if I get upgraded to business class for my upcoming trip to China, I will most likely take a 21.5-inch iMac and see if that fits on the business class seat. <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> and you might be stopped from getting on the plane. Yes, well, we'll find out. Uh, I'm flying BA uh, next uh, Friday. So we'll see how that works. Um, I'm going to actually to see Hamilton, the musical. So I've never been so excited to go to the theater as I am uh, next weekend. So, In case anyone's looking for some travel inspiration, you can go and see Hamilton at the theater in London or in New York. Or you can go and see Hamilton on the west coast of Scotland, which is a, now a post-industrial town, which has a plucky little football team. Anyway, enough about Scotland. Let's move on and ask Brendan what his low-tech travel tip is, apart from melatonin, which isn't really supposed to be sold in the UK. Yes, of course it's not sold here. So <laughs> I always pick it up when I'm um, overseas, but it definitely, it definitely helps. It's one of the things that really helps me. Um, Actually, I have, a, I have a tip that I read based on science, and it did actually work, but it's very, very hard to do, So, um, especially on long, long haul to Australia. So um, the idea is that you can actually cheat your body uh, from uh, jet lag, and the way to do that is to fast the entire flight. Um, and you can only have water, no stimulants, no nothing. So you can't have any food of any sort. But by the time you get to your destination, whether you're landing in morning lunch or dinner, you have your first meal on the plane before landing. Now, I did try this once um, on my way to Australia and actually... I wasn't a zombie for two days when I got there. I actually refreshed a lot quicker. So there might be something in the science of that. Yes, um, I can confirm that works as well. I tend to do it on long haul when not on holiday. So earlier this year, I went to China on a very quick three-day trip. And the way I did it was, just as you said, fast on the plane, don't eat or drink anything apart from water. Hydrate as much as possible, but that was everything. And the, the reason for it is your body in a pressurized cabin believes it's at altitude. So it focuses its uh, circulatory system on getting blood to your brain and to your muscular function. It essentially puts your digestive system on pause. So the moment you get off the plane, 
your body realizes it's in a more friendly environment and your blood flow goes back to your digestive system. And that's why you suddenly feel tired, especially if you've been on a, a 12 hour flight, you're suddenly starting to digest all that food and it messes up your sleep patterns. So, so when I went to China uh, earlier this year, it was fine going out. And then on the way back, I left on Monday evening from Shanghai, got back to Edinburgh on Tuesday morning and was in the office and seemed to have no issues. So that was a, a good proof of proof of, of theory. But I think there's still more studies going on about it. Where, where did you find out about this the first time, Brendan? Um, I can't remember. I read an article. It might have been like New Scientist, I think think um but i'm not sure i can't recall the exact um where it came from but i just read it somewhere and i thought i'm gonna try this it's crazy but i'm gonna try it and um actually it really does work yeah i, I read about it on bloomberg uh, they had an article about tips and tricks for for business travel and that was one of them uh, the other one is if you're on a flight and you're bored uh, just even if you're in economy just go and do push-ups in front of the in front of the emergency exits because that's where there's space to do it. Though that doesn't sound as appealing to me uh, in terms of how to sp spend your time on a plane. <laughs> I don't think I want the whole plane watching me either. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Are we talking not eating and doing push-ups on planes now? Or are we not missing like yeah. the so, fun bits? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the tech travel geeks, uh, fitness fitness long-haul long travel cult is about to start. Uh, you can sign up to our church uh, on techtravelgeeks.com. Please send any donations to uh, us once you've filled in the contact form. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, better not lead people astray in that manner. Though I do like the idea of us starting a religion. Okay, then. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, Brendan, you've told us about your gadgets and things. Where do you think technology, such as mobile technology, is going to make travel easier in the coming years? What do you see on the horizon that you think will make uh, travel, the, tra the overall travel experience, better? Ooh, lots of stuff. And actually... It's something that we're working on ourselves where I work. So I can't obviously give away too many ideas or, or concepts or um, things like that uh, that could give anybody else a competitive advantage. But I mean, look, um, in reality, you know, if you are a traveler, whether it's for work or business, um, there's certain things you want to happen, right, or to work well. Um, whether it's pre-flight, in-flight or post-flight. And, you know, I see those as being um, getting to the airport easily, getting through security easily, um, or even being pre-security checked based on certain, certain aspects, um, being comfortable uh, before you're on your flight. And then when, when you're on your flight, obviously you want to be very comfortable, but, you know, these days, a lot of flights are sardine tins and not even myself, you know, I fly to Australia, I can't afford uh, even premium economy. So um, I think those things are really important. I think there's, there is stuff that will come that will help ease that pain. Um, but then 
to be uh, hyper-connected or digitally connected always. When you get to your destination, my expectation would be you land and either your device or whatever's sitting over your iris, we're talking the future here, <laughs> instantly um, gives you a little guide. You know, it tells you uh, this is an emergency contact for your consulate. Um, if you need a taxi, these are the best uh, rates we can find you. Um, that would be my expectation on how technology and phones could evolve to help you better. And obviously, number one, translation would be amazing. Simple, seamless, instant live translation. So yeah. something similar to what we saw on the Google Pixel Buds last year, they were a bit of a disappointment for, for many after the amazing demo Google did on stage. Uh, do you think the technology can be miniaturized even further, Brendan? Well, you know, speaking of new vendors, um, you know, there's a device uh, that I saw that's launching in China from Xiaomi. And, um, you know, this technology doesn't have to be expensive. It's a 4G uh, color screen candy bar phone that does multiple things. Not only can it connect you to the internet or it can be a pocket Wi-Fi, but it also does on-the-fly translation. So I think it's absolutely possible. Now, can that be applied for Europe too? Sure, but it's probably gonna take time to get it to a point where it's really usable by a real customer. Yes, there's, there's lots of prototypes and things out there maybe pointing the way that things will go. We'll find out. It sounds like an, an interesting time. Actually, one question on this. Have you guys uh, heard of the new Palm device, the, the mini phone thingy? Any thoughts about this, Brendan? Have you, have you uh, heard of this new device? Yes, of course. I think you probably know me well enough by now that I research absolutely everything that's released. I have. What do you think about it? I, I'm not sure. It sounds a bit random, and I'm not uh, too attached to the to the brand, so it sounds like uh, an extra phone for which I have to pay. Uh, I agree. But it doesn't do everything. So yeah, I'm I'm not convinced. You need a tiny phone for your big screen phone. <laughs> and if it's to help you stop using the phone, why would you buy a, a new phone, an extra phone? Right. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Actually, for me, that's I, I find a little bit, this is just my personal opinion, probably linked to that is um, obviously a lot of the phones and um, OSs and operating systems these days are now coming with wellness features to help you stop using your phone. Um, surely, if you're an adult or you've used a phone for a long time, you know how much you're using your phone, you don't really need an app to to tell you, but I'm, I'm interested to hear people's opinions on that. So I'll, ju I'll just go and say, go ahead and say one thing. Uh, to me, this just trips nostalgia. Luckily, I have a drawer here which has one of the original Palm devices. This is the Palm Pre 2, arguably one of the best devices ever made. And the idea of a small functional phone it's something that I've always liked. Uh, we're now moving to a situation where the small phones are five inch and under, which was unthinkable even five, six years ago. I wrote a blog post in 2000 and 
10, 11, about a ZT skate device, which was 4.3 inch, a 4.3 inch diagonal skate screen. And I defined it as a BAP, that's B-A-P, which stands for big ass phone. And 4.3 inch was a big phone. Nowadays we're looking, okay, there, there's been some changes with aspect ratios, which changes the actual surface of the screen, but we're looking at six, six and a half, seven inch diagonal being standard devices, which is great. But there is also always something attractive about a small phone which fits, let's compare it to the Honor 8X here, which is tiny compared to that. And that <laughs> looks like a toy. <laughs> it does. But that idea of something fully functional that does all the basics is great. I don't like the, the way Verizon are doing it with the charging $10 a month extra plus paying for the device as an add-on pretty much treating it in the same product category as an Apple Watch. I think that they, they sh should, in my view, be selling it as an independent smartphone for people who want a small phone. Yeah, I, te I tend to agree with that too. I think you, you make a good point about um, it's nice to have a smaller uh, functional phone, but I think I'm at the point now where unless it lives up to the battery life and the functionality of its bigger brothers, I can't trade down. I can't, I can't trade uh, the things that I now love about having a big phone by going down to a little phone. It has to stand out on its own. And I think a device like um, the new Palm, that's going to be difficult, right? You've got a small screen, small battery, certain use case scenarios, um, but as you just said, um, you know, you don't, you don't really like the way that they are selling it, but obviously there must be a need. Why did they do it? There must be some kind of customer need in the U S uh, market where people are wanting to ditch their big phones in certain situations. Yes. How much do you think, uh, in this case, Verizon and the, the parent company of what is now the Palm brand TCL are playing on the nostalgia factor of that Palm logo. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm all for, you know, brands coming back that have a rich heritage, but I would love for those brands to be really true to their nature. A bit like you just said with the Palm Pre, I'd absolutely love a device with that form factor. Um, and I think, mostly true to their heritage you know um tct tcl they've done a pretty good job with blackberry um and keeping a little bit of the heritage there on what made blackberry unique yes i agree um as a blackberry key one customer i still use my device it's great for messaging uh, they have done a good thing of modernizing the whole form factor and the idea of a, a true BlackBerry. Uh, how well that's going to last will be interesting to see. But I think that it's a good thing also in terms of accessibility. For some people, that physical QWERTY keyboard is a very good thing. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and I think we, sh we, if you've been in the tech and phone industry uh, long enough, you, you know things really go in cycles. 
Um, you know, I've been doing this now for 18 years and I'm seeing stuff coming back for 2019 that disappeared. So um, these things are circular and um, what's old is new and what's new is old. Great. Uh, so is the, can we read into this that in 2019 Motorola will bring back the StarTech and we'll move away from GSM, CDMA, WCDMA and 4G and go back to the tech system? <laughs> Not quite, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, there, there is some really, um, I would say there is some things of nostalgia that are really unique that are coming. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm very, very privileged and very lucky to see these things because it's part of my job. Um, and, and it takes a lot these days for somebody to, you know, knock me off my chair with a presentation. Um, but there's a couple of those that will come, and I think they will really resonate with people who have used a mobile since, you know, the analog um, and CDMA days. Brandon, ever the tease. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, one question from me, actually. I'm about to roll back to one technology I've not used in 10 years, uh, which is a watch. I'm getting uh, the, uh, with the Mate 20 Pro, I'm getting the, the Huawei watch uh, GT, um, I believe. Have you been using uh, smartwatches and do you use them on a daily basis and for travel? Uh, yeah, I have a cupboard full of ghost smartwatches and fitness bands, <laughs> uh, which I really, that I bought myself, actually. Um, I really need to kind of have a fire sale or just give them away. Um, but funny that you say that, I have been using the Huawei GT watch since, since the launch day um, of the Mate 20 Pro. Um, and how long ago was that? God, <laughs> too, too many launches, too many launches. We're about a week in, roughly, week in almost, yeah. Um, and I'm down to 54% um, battery. So in my opinion, and I'm going to sound like I'm being favourites here, um, I, I absolutely would recommend this watch simply because the price is pretty amazing, £199, or you can get it for free if you pre-order a Mate 20 Pro today. Um uh, and the battery life, that's the number one pain point why customers do not stick to their smartwatch because they constantly have to take it off to charge it. Have you tried the Samsung one, uh, the new Samsung watches? No. So actually, uh, this is the first time I haven't bought the new Samsung watch because I was waiting for choice. Now, I was probably a bit foolish because, you know, obviously Qualcomm announced their new Android Wear chipset, and I had really high hopes for that. Um, but it seems a lot of uh, manufacturers are still releasing on the old chipset. You know, come on, guys. It's like the phones these days. That You know, every, all of the phone makers want to have the newest chipset from Qualcomm in there. Why isn't this happening in the watch world? So um, because I knew, obviously, uh, about the Watch GT, I really, I, it's the first time I haven't purchased all or or the whole lot of the Samsung watches. So um, I will, however, get one a little bit later and see how it goes. But I don't have a comparison. I can only, I can only uh, compare it to my uh, Samsung Sport for now. Just for our, our listeners, the Huawei Watch GT 
Is that the one running a separate OS from Google's one? Is it the Huawei Homemade uh, Watch Operating System? Yeah, it's called uh, Light OS. Now, obviously, this is going to be a bit weird um, because, you know, if you are a techie, you're kind of like, oh, I want, you know, an OS that's got a really big ecosystem. But if you break it down to what people use smartwatches for, which is glanceable notifications, uh, maybe control your music, answer calls or decline calls, and have a beautiful design with awesome fitness tracking, this does all of those things. Awesome. That sounds great. So, Lukash, uh, let us know how you get on. I might in turn be uh, called by the Huawei watch sirens and end up buying one to go with my Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Yeah, yeah I'll let you know. And it's definitely coming to Tech Travel Geek's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, once I get it, I think it's uh, it's sent separately. It's So I don't get it uh, tomorrow. It's uh, I, I'll need to request it from uh, Huawei, but still exciting. Sounds exciting. Um, just one one point. Uh, I was a guest on All About Android on the Twit Network last week, and uh, Florence Ion made a very good point. The Huawei Watch is definitely not a product designed for or marketed uh, towards women. Uh, Brendan. What can you say about that? Do you think there is a a more feminine or a more female-oriented Huawei watch in the works? Oh, I can't. I couldn't possibly comment on that. And actually, I don't know. So okay. um, I am, I am uh, talking about travel just before. I am going to China uh, in two weeks. So I will be seeing lots of new stuff and lots of 5G stuff. So you never know. They might be a surprise. There's always a last-minute surprise. The, always the one more thing. Brendan, I think we're missing each other by a matter of hours in Shenzhen uh, during the month of November, aren't we? I think we are. I'll leave you a nice little um, Google AR message somewhere in the in the airport for you. <laughs> That's great. So it'll be something something along the lines of Brendan was here. And <laughs> yeah. then I'll, Candace and I will walk around saying, Oh look, my phone's buzzing. Oh yeah, Brendan was here. <laughs> Very good. So we look forward to all these teases you've you've given us uh, materializing. Uh Brendan, is there any other initiative or thing you'd like to shout out about that you feel passionate about? Oh, I'm not sure. That's a good good question to put me on the spot. Um, hmm. Do I feel passionate about something? Yes, lots of things, but not necessarily related to technology. <laughs> but that's fine. Go ahead. Uh, use, use the Tech Travel Geeks podcast to maybe make a call to action or tell us, tell us about okay. something, educate us about something we don't know about. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do something that I actually really love that um, three does um, that I work for. So we, we at, at all of our three stores, we have a program called Stay Connected. Um, and this is a really great program because, you know, if you're a geek like me, you've probably got a lot of phones just sitting around that you don't really know what to do with or you can't recycle or you can't sell or, you know, maybe you want to... Um, 
give back. And the great thing is that Stay Connected program is for people who um, are trying to get back on their feet um, or who need a little bit of extra help and we don't recycle them. So if they're working, um, we help people get reconnected um, whether they're looking for a new job or they can't afford uh, to have a phone right away. So that's something that I love that Three does um, and it really makes a difference to those people um, who get that and they get some credit with Three um, and a SIM card along with it. It's, it's an amazing initiative. That sounds like a great initiative. Uh, we'll share the link to that initiative in the YouTube video notes to this episode and we'll also share it in our podcast notes obviously the tech travel geeks podcast is available on the tech travel geeks youtube channel if you haven't already please do subscribe and you can also subscribe to our podcast on our website techtravelgeeks.com we try and do episodes on a weekly basis uh, but we're going to be working around travel commitments over the next few weeks. So we'll try and pre-record some episodes and then release them in a timely manner. So that's great. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, that three, three initiative is great. Uh, personally, I can say for myself, I have multiple active three SIM cards. As someone who travels a lot, specifically to certain markets where three have their feel-at-home destinations, three is a great service that I use both in the US. In, in this year alone, I've used uh, Feel at Home in multiple places, including the US and Singapore. It's been a great service. So how about you, Lukesh? What's your network of choice? It is three as well. So I've been a happy user uh, since February, I believe. Um, and I've been really happy uh, on my travels, especially. Um, uh, yeah, when I... When, uh, of course, China is a difficult market, but when I uh, landed in Hong Kong after uh, uh, almost two weeks in China, uh, being able to just switch on my uh, roaming and not pay anything extra um, in uh, in Hong Kong was was just fantastic. So yeah, recommendation from me as well. Uh, so before we close off, uh, one qu one one user question as, as well from the YouTube uh, chat. Uh, to you, Brandon, was about your favorite wine and a question whether it's from your home country or not. Very good question. Um, wow. Mm. Yes, it would be, actually. Um, and I'm not sure if you can get it here, but there is an amazing wine um, called Shaw and Smith. Uh, it's a Sauvignon Blanc, and it's from the Adelaide Hills. And it has always been one of my favorite wines from my early 20s. Um, so uh, if, you, if you get a chance to pick up a bottle or you can get one delivered, go and grab one. Excellent. I'm also a Sauvignon Blanc person. I, that's the only wine. I, I'm not a red wine person. So white wine Sauvignon Blanc would be my choice. So I'll look it up. Amazing. <laughs> well, that's that's great to hear. So two white wine people, I'll support the red wine camp and say that my favorite reds is one called Tribute from the Benziger Winery in uh, Glen Ellen, California. Candice and I go there on, on vacation as often as possible because there's a great horse riding trail. And if you go on the horse riding trail through the vineyards, at the end of your horse riding trail, they give you a voucher for free wine tastings. So you go down to the winery 
have these wine tastings and then walk out with hundreds of dollars worth of wine to take home. It's a dangerous thing to do, but definitely worth it. And if you get the chance, do taste the tribute. It's my personal favorite. And Amazing. Sounds like my next holiday destination. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to meet up there, uh, it's arguably one of the most convenient places to go on holiday because you have wineries, amazing food, and for the geeks uh, amongst us, there's also in a town near, nearby called Petaluma, the Twit TV studios. So you can geek out, have good food, wine, and California's pretty good weather as well. So all in, good good week's holiday. Right then, um, any more questions in the chat, Lukash? Sorry, no, uh, not at this moment. Um, but yeah, it's been a good chat uh, on the channel. Oh, there was some discussion about the the honored ATEX, uh, and there were some good opinions on that as well. So when everyone come, when anyone comes back uh, for the next podcast, please continue the, the chats. Uh, they are really um, really useful, and we'll try to answer your questions whenever we can. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you want to keep the conversation going please do interact with us on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, Brendan, would you like to share your, your Twitter handle? Yeah, mine's pretty easy. It's at wildline. Um, so the fruit, uh, <laughs> basically, and a little bit wild. Very good. So at wildlime on Twitter is Brendan. Lukash? Uh, I'm El Suliga. You're El Suliga. And I'm Todoleo, T-O-D-O-L-E-O. And you can also interact with the Tech Travel Geeks Twitter account. That's at Tech Travel Geeks. So um, apart from that, I think we've wrapped everything up. We've discussed everything. So thanks for watching, everyone. And thank you for subscribing to us on YouTube. And thank you for subscribing to the podcast. We will be back next week with another awesome guest from slightly closer but who still lives in between Australia and the UK. And uh, then we'll be pre-recording another couple of episodes before my trip to China, just to make sure we have content regularly released on the audio podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your good podcasts, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, and so on. So thanks for watching and listening, everyone. Uh, good night from me. And from me, thanks so much. And thanks, Brandon, again for, for joining us today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And um, I hope you'll have me again. And next time you can see my ugly mug too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Brendan. Good night, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Good night.